to Victory Alabang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Alright, hello everyone. Hello Victory family. Why don't you give yourselves a hand for uh, being here. Thank you so much for being in this auditorium. We'd like to welcome everybody here on site. And of course, uh, those people who are watching on YouTube and uh, Facebook, wherever you are in your own homes, welcome as well. Uh, welcome. Uh, for, thank you for joining us online. And uh, I just, I just want to take this time to congratulate, by the way, our L113 graduates. Okay, Leadership 113. If you are here and you are here, please stand up right now to be recognized. Uh, we had a virtual uh, graduate. Can we just give themselves a hand? Okay, give them a hand. All right. Congratulations. We'd like to acknowledge some of the awardees. Okay, Doc Jazzy, you are the valedictorian, I think, of the class with an average score of 99 point something percent. Okay, congratulations. Tricky, you are the salutatorian. Uh, congratulations. We'd like to also honor uh, the Evangelism Award, Five Loads, Two Fish. Uh, an amazing batch, uh, Trey Remulia for the best in preaching, Man of the Word Award, uh, and also Attorney Patty uh, Lejano, okay, for an Overcomer Award. So why don't we just uh, once again acknowledge them and thank you so much for being here. You may be seated. Also would like to uh, congratulate those who finished Victory Weekend and those who got baptized uh, last Saturday. Uh, God is indeed faithful. And uh, as Pastor Chico has mentioned earlier, we are grateful for those who have participated and who gave for our Typhoon Relief Program. And we're still doing that. You know, as a church in Metro Manila, we're able to give thousands of family, uh, goods to the families. Those red bags really is a sign for me. It's, it's, a, it's a mark of God's love and compassion for those. And as we've distributed those in different areas, like in Bicol region, in Cagayan, Isabela, Tugigarao, uh, Cities in Metro Manila like Cainta, Marikina, and also in the south in San Pedro, uh, we are amazed that God can actually uh, multiply the resource that we have. So once again, thank you so much. Give yourselves a- another hand. Thank you so much for, the, for your generosity. Okay, I, I do have a, a word and, uh, you know, what an amazing time just um, us gathered here again. As Pastor Chico has mentioned, we are now on our second week here meeting in the Festival Mall and we do hope we do hope that things will get better. We're praying for, of course, uh, the vaccine to be out, for this pandemic to be over. And how many of you can't wait for church to be normal again? Uh, there's nothing like just gathering in the same place where you can actually enjoy. And of course, for those of you who are in your homes, um, you know you are definitely still part of this. You are part of the gathered church. Uh, but yet, we also know that. God has designed the church to be gathered in an assembly. And yet, uh, we're doing things virtually right now. But yet, we do hope that you will feel the presence of God right there in your own homes. All right? So for our preaching, we are on week number two of our series, Add to Heart. Everybody say, Add to Heart. How many of you are familiar with this, Add to Heart? Okay, Add to Heart, you know, 12-12 is coming. Uh, I think every month yata merong promo, you know. Uh, but, you know, last week we talked about two brothers, uh, Cain and Abel, and how they were offering their sacrifice to the Lord and how God responded and how God has looked upon their offerings. And I hope that uh, we will be able to, you know, really present ourselves and offer uh, sacrifice and offerings that will be acceptable to the Lord uh, our main point last week was a generous heart is a mark of true worship 
but it also marks the true worshipers. And I believe that as we come before the Lord, you know, this is actually a uh, second to the last series for the year. We're talking about generosity. We're talking about, you know, really an, an aspect of generosity in the point of view of worship. And for me, I, I can't really let go of that word worship. Can you just type that in the screen, worship? If you are here in the auditorium, just say worship. Worship, okay? You sound good, guys. Everyone say worship. Worship, okay? <laughs> That's the effect of face masks, okay? But anyway, so God really marks all of us because we want to be able to worship God freely by the way we give. And today, we're going to be looking at the purpose of wealth. Now, how many of you have wealth? Please raise your hand. You have wealth, okay? We all have something. We all have wealth. And we want to ask and answer this question, why wealth? What's the purpose of wealth? And if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and open it to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to be looking at two verses this, uh, this day. From the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom, and we'll be looking at verse 9 to verse 10. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 to verse 10. If you're here in this auditorium, please allow me to invite you to stand up with me as we give reverence to the Word of God, uh, as we publicly read the Scripture. Since this is just two verses, I'd like to invite everybody to read along with me from the ESV version of the Scripture, okay? Proverbs chapter 3, 9 to 10. Read out loud, 1, 2, 3. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for our time to get today together. As your people gathered here in this place, we ask that you would teach us how to continue to honor you with everything we've got, with our bodies, with our time, with our talents, particularly our resource and wealth. And we thank you, Lord God, that indeed you will find in this place a people of faith, May our offerings always be acceptable and be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. You know, I, I love the book of Proverbs. In fact, I, I read it almost every day. Uh, there was a time when I would actually read just one chapter every day, depending on the day. You know, for example, if today is uh, November 22nd, I would read Proverbs chapter 22. And so there's 31 uh, chapters of Proverbs, so you can actually just choose, choose which day you are in and then read a particular chapter. And so when you read the book of Proverbs, it's interesting because we're reading uh, a book full of wisdom. And the wisest man who ever lived, his name was who? King Solomon, basically wrote about 3,000 Proverbs. And it's amazing how many of these things can be applied to our personal life. Now, we're just reading a portion of this scripture, but yet Proverbs is a collection of wise sayings. And I believe that God wants every one of us to live wisely. Everybody say, live wisely. Now, how many of you would like to have wisdom every single day? Please raise your hand. I'd love to have wisdom. I want to be able to apply the, the you know, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is something that you uh, learn and it's in your head, but yet wisdom is the practical application of that knowledge. And so we need to apply what we've learned 
every single day. And so God wants us to live wisely. And I believe the beginning point of living wisely is to trust the wisdom of God who made us. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, a very familiar text for all of us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Do not be wise or be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. You've got to trust the Lord. You've got to trust His Word. Even if you do not understand why or how, sometimes when God gives an instruction, you know, we don't understand why, what, how. You know, I remember when the Lord spoke to Peter in Luke chapter 5. You know, Peter was a fisherman. He went out all night long. How many of you know that they are expert fishermen? They went all night with nothing to catch. But yet when Jesus saw them, he said, I want you to cast down your net on the other side of the boat. What's the difference between the left side and the other side? It's kind of like, you know, you know. Um, anyway, um, I remember a, a, a picture of uh, somebody in the, in the flooded area. He was actually trying to scoop the, the pail from, from her house outside the, the gate. Okay, So there's no difference between the other side, this left side or the right side. But yet, Peter said, but because you said so. I will let down the nets. You know, sometimes we don't understand what God is saying, but because God says so. Everybody say, God says so. Because God says so, we will let down our nets. We will obey. God's word is the best advice, solution, and way to follow in every situation, whether in marriage, in relationships, in using our tongue, in the area of finances. And you know, Proverbs is also known as the theology with a work clothes on. You know, you actually become practical when you apply this. This gives us practical wisdom. Now, let's look at God's wisdom on money, in the offerings, and in the area of worship. You know, all of us come from different backgrounds and exposure to wealth. You know, some of us are working really hard, earning our keep. You know, we're, you know, working, going to work. You know, right now, we're working from home. We're, many of us are employees. Some are merely surviving. Some have debts to pay. Some of a lot of investments in stocks or real estate. Now, there are some of those that are retired and are enjoying. Now, if you are retired, congratulations. You're enjoying the fruit of your labor. Maybe you're you know, just enjoying your pension fund or whatever. You're no longer working. Some have a clean slate, though. They're young. They're just starting. They have no debt, but yet they don't have also a big income yet. You know, different seasons in our life. Some are students. Just receiving an allowance. How many of you are students and you're here? Below 18, you cannot be here, okay? Hulika. <laughs> receiving an allowance per week, even though they're doing online and distance learning, some students are still receiving an allowance. Can you imagine that? I thought I would actually be able to save already. They eat from my ref and they get an allowance. But anyway, so that's another uh, thought. But I call it double whammy. They, you know, but you know, it's a blessing to see our kids, you know, continuing to study. They have no worries. Uh, well, some they have probably have some worries. But wherever you are in the spectrum, there is a common purpose for wealth. Ultimately, when you talk about wealth, wealth is for worship. Everybody say wealth is for worship. Ultimately, for me, when you talk about wealth, yes, wealth is for using it to meet our needs, to pay the miracle bills, to 
get what we want, to, to be able to send our kids to school, to maybe buy a house someday. But ultimately, I believe that the ultimate purpose of wealth is so that we can actually use it to worship God and to honor Him. Wealth is worship. You know, I just have a simple pre- preaching this, uh, this day. And, you know, I'm going to focus on three words. The three words are honor. Everybody say honor. I'm going to also talk about wealth. Everybody say wealth. And then I'm going to talk about overflow. Gusto natin yung overflow, right? We love the word overflow. Now, let's talk about the word honor. The word honor, which is found in Proverbs 3 verse 9, has to do with weight. That is what it literally means in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for honor is kavod. Everybody say kavod. Kavod. Come on. Kavod. And to honor someone means to give them the proper weight. I'm not talking about the physical weight, okay? Now, don't use this word in a different meaning, okay? You are very honored. No, don't, don't use that, okay? Baka iba yung okay? But, you know, that's what it literally means. To honor someone is to see the weight or the significance or the importance or the reverence of that particular person. You see, to honor someone is to recognize their weightiness, their position, their value, their heft. You know, not their girth, but their heft. You know, when you enter a room, for example, and you see a, maybe a politician or a very influential person, and this guy is talking and the people are listening to him, you know that that person is a person of honor, a person of weight, because people are listening. Now try it. If you try to enter a room and try to talk and nobody's listening, that reflects on how much honor you have. Anyway, uh, so your gifts as well speak of the value that you have for the person that you're giving it to. For example, in some countries, it is customary that when you are invited to meet to the president, you are expected to bring a gift to that president. You will not just pass by a convenience store like 7-Eleven or Family Mart to look for a gift on your way to the meeting, Right? But what you would do is, you'd probably take days to decide, just trying to think of an appropriate gift. Why? Because you have to consider the weight or the significance or the importance of the person that you're giving to. You know, to the married man, how many of you are married here? You know, when you give a gift to your spouse, consider the weight. I'm not talking about the weight of your spouse, okay? <laughs> consider the weight or the importance of your spouse. You know, if you're adding to cart, for example, make sure you check it out. And when you receive it, wrap it. Or maybe try to, you know, buy a bouquet of roses or something like that. Don't ever forget your anniversaries, guys. Come on. It speaks of the way you honor your spouse. Wait. Honor. Because she deserves to be honored. And wealth is used to honor the Lord. And you, when you see the word Lord here in capital letters, it's simply translated as Yahweh. And this word for God comes from the word to be. Remember the time in Moses in Exodus chapter 3 when he saw this burning bush and um, you know, the Lord appeared to him and he was asking, Lord, what's your name that I will tell the Israelites so that I can actually uh, lead them out? And God simply said, just tell them I am has sent you. I am? Yes, I am. That's my name. I am. That's Yahweh. And 
it is simply, it simply means He is. God is, period. He is. He exists before the creation of the heavens and the earth and the universe. I am. He is. Before anything came into existence, He is. Before Jesus stepped from eternity time to eternity as we know it, I am. He is. You know, before you and I were born, He is. Before this coronavirus came, and even after, it's going to be eradicated. How many of you know that? He still is. And when, Jesus, and when we all die, when Jesus comes back in all His glory, He is. You know, God is, and we ought to honor Him because our wealth is used to honor the God who deserves it. Come on now. Can we just give the Lord an honor and a clap offering right now? His very existence is the most important reason why you and I exist. Because He lives. We live. In Him, we live and move and have our being. You know, we, we simply cannot exist without Him. And to honor the Lord with your wealth means using every resource to show the world, the world that God is the most important person in the universe. His weight, His significance, is His importance. This is why the Proverbs tell us, give your best, give your first fruit, give God everything you've got. Because he deserves it. And the first fruits was something they set aside and that they have prepared just for the Lord. This is not the leftover. This is something that's planned out. They cared for it because it was to be a gift to honor God. It was nothing, there's nothing spontaneous about it. They planned it. It is not to be given without a thought. You know, when you give a gift to God, you prepare for that. And I hope that as we come before, you know, we've been, we, don't worry, we're not going to receive any more giving later. But, well, you know, we, our tithes and offerings is, is done. But in the way we live our lives, in the way we serve God, in the, in the way we serve our community, in the way we give and be a blessing to others, we plan it out. For example, we prepare, you know, I believe that all of you are looking forward to having your Christmas dinners or Noche Buena uh, in a few, let's say in a month's time, right? Uh, you're probably preparing for that thing. You're preparing for the menu. You know, we're talking about it as a family now. We're talking about, my, my wife is asking me, what do you want for Noche Buena? So it's simple, Noche Buena. But yet, we're planning for it. It's going to be a different celebration this year, I guess, because it's not going to be a big reunion with families. It's going to be like virtual maybe for some. We're going to just celebrate in our own homes. But yet, it's still going to be special. But yet, we plan it. We think about it. And that's, I believe, is what giving is all about. You plan it. You take, you take the choicest food and you serve it for the people that you love. And why do we honor God from our first of all our produce? When we do this, our honoring to God will not be affected by covetousness or greed. Because that's the first. You're not just doing this as, you know, after paying the Miracle Bill or Globe or Smart. You know, you're not giving to God what's left over because you're giving to God what's best. The first fruit. Abel gave the firstborn. And we learned about that last week. You know, honoring him first means we trust him enough to know that he will provide for us. It's a matter of faith and trust that makes us act in this way. 
Giving to God is not just giving a weekly collection for money or offerings. Giving to God is ultimately worship. You know, worship is giving out of our heart and not out of obligation. You know, there is a big difference between, you know, us being forced to give. You know, we teach our our people, our children, when they were younger, to give, to be generous. At first, they don't get it, but now it's almost natural for them. They're growing into it. How many of you are growing in your generosity? We're learning how to be generous. And it's good that we become generous out of an open heart, out of love. For God, In fact, not only in giving, but in everything that we are and do has to be seen in the light of God. We are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Deuteronomy 6, that talks about that. We're made to honor God. The whole purpose of wealth is to honor the I am's weight. That's what honor is all about. His existence is the most important consideration before you go to work. When you open your wallet, when you pay bills, when you check whatever uh, Lazada is, decide where to invest your money, and so on and so forth. This is the starting point that we understand the purpose of wealth. Secondly, we're going to talk about this word wealth. Wealth is used for worship. And honoring the Lord with wealth is showing the Lord as the heaviest and the most important factor in our use of wealth. We're not to worship wealth, but we are to use wealth for worship. There's a big difference. You know, many, you know we, we know that the Bible says that the love of money is the what? The root of all kinds of evil. And money is just a tool. Money is used for worship. And it's not to be worshipped. Do not love money. Just like it a little bit. Okay? Use it as a tool. It's not an end in itself. You know, wealth means substance and everything that represents what we have. Another way of saying this is actually net worth. You know, I, I graduated in, uh, in accounting and uh, part of our course is to look at financial statements. I still do that in church as we prepare our budget. You know, this time of the year is budget preparation. But, you know, when you look at, um, you know, financial statements, you know, you ask, what a person's net worth is. And each one of us has a net worth. A net worth is simply assets minus all your debts. That's your net worth. And hopefully all of us have positive net worths that our assets are like more than our debts. Well, some will probably have negative net worth. But that is what wealth is all about. Wealth is substance. Everybody say substance. If you're uh, on, on Facebook or YouTube, just type that word substance. That represents who we are and what we are. It's actually what we use to give back to God. And I believe that when God sees that our substance is given because we recognize that He is substantial, He will be honored with that. Everyone has Wealth. Look at the person beside you. Just look at the person beside you. Don't just, you know, talk. You're wealthy. Just say that to that person. You're wealthy. Whether you're a businessman, an employee, a retiree with retirement or pension fund, a student who probably just owns the stuff in his room, or maybe a car or a bike, or even the beggar has substance, which is probably his clothes or maybe loose change in his pocket. 
And we're to use our substance to show to the Lord that He is substantial in our lives. So many people focus on the how of money. How to get it, how to earn, how to increase it, how to use it, what to buy. Instead, we need to focus on the why of money. What's the purpose? Why do we have wealth in the first place? Why do we have money? Was there money during the time of Adam and Eve? I mean, who invented money? And I realized how fleeting this thing is called money and wealth because, you know, we're not going to bring it with us in the grave. Why do we have it in the first place? You know, if I would just have everything, you know, in, at the roof of my head, well, over my head, food on my table, the family around me, we ought to be content with that. Amen. Is it really for the purpose of us just working and working and working all the days of our lives, trying to accumulate a lot of wealth just to pass it on to the next generation? Is there a bigger purpose of wealth? You know, when my kids were younger, I would normally take them to time zone. How many of you are familiar with time zone? Yeah. Uh, back in the day, when time zone didn't have used that card yet, now time zone is high tech. You know, you have a card, you know, you load it. But back in the day, you used tokens. It's a silver token that you use. And what I do is I actually give tokens to my girls for them to enjoy. And the purpose of that token is so that they can use it to put it in the machine and enjoy the game and collect coupons. Remember that? And the coupons are actually accumulated so that actually you can get maybe a stuffed staff toy so that you can bring that home. The purpose of that token is not for them to hang on to that token because they think it's nice and it's shiny and it's you know nice to keep. But I think the purpose of that is to let go of that and to use it for what it's made for. In the temporary time there, they're supposed to let go and use that token. You know, your wealth is not given to you just so that you can hang on to it. They're not an end in itself, but they're given so that you can use them for the temporary time that you will be here on earth. We must use our wealth to honor God in this life. And there will come a time <clears throat> excuse me, that you and I will leave time zone on earth, our temporary life here, and we cannot bring our wealth with us because there's no use for that in eternity. You know, if my kids would just try to bring the tokens home, it's going to be a waste of the token. It's a privilege to be given wealth by God, to be used here on earth. We got to know the purpose of wealth. And many problems are worship problems. You know, sometimes we have it on the reverse. Instead of worshiping God using wealth, we actually use wealth as a worship or as a God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. For either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting, you know, we've preached this in the past, that the comparison of God as 
an idol in our heart is not Satan himself, but money. He didn't say you cannot serve both God and Satan. He said you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and mammon because money can take a place as an idol in our heart. And we need to be careful with money. It is not just a money issue, but it is always a heart issue. Many times, money problems are worship problems, and many times, worship problems are heart problems. We've got to check our hearts. Proverbs 13 verse 11 says, This honest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money, little by little, everybody say little by little, little by little makes it grow. Beware of the temptation of dishonest gains or fast wealth, or get rich quick. The principle is hard work. Wise people honor the Lord by working really hard, honestly, and faithfully over a long period of time. Wealth builds little by little. That's the beauty of compounding interest as well. The last word I want to focus on is the word overflow. Many believers use this verse in Proverbs as a formula or a promise to get more wealth. In fact, we read this in verse 10. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know, do we literally take that? You know, that in our house there's a lot of wine. You know, this is something that the Jews had. You know, it's a representation of favor. It's a representation of their assets or their wealth. Will our wealth grow when we honor the Lord with it? Is it a formula? This is more of a principle than a promise. Because sometimes we use this particular scripture almost like a guarantee that if I give to God, then I will be ultimately wealthy. I mean, there's that is actually a fact of life or a true in many sense, but it is not an absolute guarantee. And we've got to learn that, you know, Proverbs are to be taken not as a law. Proverbs are to be taken as a principle. It's not a, an ultimate promise. And as we dive into this verse, we need to know that Proverbs is really more of a principle book more than a promise book. They are descriptions of some aspects of how life works. And some people think that this is a formula for getting rich. When they, when they see the word failed or plenty or bursting with wine, and they say that since we are honoring God with our wealth, then we will become rich. They confuse that the purpose of wealth is not so that they can be enriched, but they can actually make God honorable. They make wealth and their riches as a pursuit rather than honoring God. Now, personally, I have nothing against wealth. We need wealth. Amen. We need money. But how can you, you know, how can you advance the kingdom of God without money? How can you help in the relief operation without money? We need wealth. We need money. But we cannot be entrapped by finances. We need it, but we need to know the purpose of why we have it. And God wants to bless us so that we can also bless others. You know, when you're faithful with the wealth that you have, I believe that you'll gain even more. You know, he who gathers money little by little, he makes it grow. If you're faithful with a little, God will give you much. And what is this verse not saying? It is, it's not saying that God is, 
you know, giving a promise that all of us will be ultra rich in all times and in all circumstances. It is more of a principle that God will take care of every need that we have. You know, even Jesus did not fully embrace wealth while he was walking here on earth. Did you realize that? Some preachers say that Jesus was really rich because he had Judas as a keeper of the money bag. But, you know, I was just wondering, you know, as I read the scripture, because he said even that he did not have a place to lay his head on, you know. Jesus was a very simple carpenter. But yet he knew for a fact that he has an unlimited source of wealth. Scripture teaches us that he became poor for our sakes. And if Jesus was rich here on earth, my question is, why didn't he buy all the bread in the nearby villages to provide for the 5,000 who are gathered while listening to his preaching? Why did he have to wait for that boy who has five loaves and two fish? Plug. Before they could feed the multitude. I mean, he could have actually sent out a disciple since he had all the money then to buy every bread from all the bakers using his wealth. But having a little was a prelude to a miracle that opened the abundance that could actually feed thousands of people, of men, not including women and children. And they even had 12 baskets left over. You know, that is for me the life of wealth and overflow. That you are provided with what you need when you need it. You know, barns and vats in this particular scripture are like storage instruments. You put oil, you put flour, you put wine. You know, they're instruments of storage for very valuable things. And the scripture says that your storage will not just be enough. It will burst. It will be complete. It will be overflowing. It will be a breakthrough. It's like a spillover of the dam. And as we give our lives and hearts to worship and honor God, He provides more than enough. I believe God's blessings was never meant to be stored or hoarded. Stored blessings will not bless anyone. But God's blessings, when released, will change the world. You know how I wonder how much wealth there is really that are untapped and are unused. And my prayer is that the church, the people of God, will really be so wealthy and they know exactly what the purpose of wealth is so that they can continue to advance the kingdom of God. They can send out more missionaries. We can plant more churches. We can help the world. We can help the poor. We can actually do the work of God around us if we just know the purpose of wealth. The fact remains that people who honor God with their possessions will receive more blessings than those who don't. And we do not give to God so that He would bless us in return. We give to God because He is worthy of honor. Amen. In the first place. Giving to God is not a declaration of your financial capacity, but an expression of your love and honor of God. 
As I end, how do we respond? By honoring the Lord with our first fruits, with our tithes and offerings. Tithing is part of the law in the Old Testament, yet it predates the law of Moses. But under the New Testament, I believe it's all by grace. Everybody say, by grace. And I call it grace giving. Do we need to tithe? No. I tithe not because I need to. I tithe because I want to. It's all by grace. I tithe and I give to the Lord because I want to honor the Lord with the wealth that He has entrusted to me. As pastors and ministers, we're not exempt from the tithe. You know, don't treat us like a Levite in the Old Testament. We're as much a part of this as you guys are. We give to missions. We give to real life. We give as well. And we want to use the resource that we have to honor the Lord so that we can also bring Him pleasure. That is the starting point. Generosity follows after the tithe. Believe to your conscience. Because, you know, when you talk about conscience, it's not about just giving what you like to give. It means that you think with the understanding that you are under the Lordship of Christ and in light of what He has done for us. And why is God worthy of honor or for our wealth? I want to end with this scripture. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? God did not withhold anything from us, including His Son, Jesus Christ. He has no problem blessing us as long as our hearts are rightly placed in worship unto Him. Ultimately, when you talk about wealth, wealth is used for worship unto the Lord. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now as we come to In fact, I want to invite everybody who's here in the auditorium to please stand up as we come before the Lord and just honor Him today. Father, thank You so much for Your grace. We thank you, Lord God, that you will continue to give us faith to walk out, to honor you, and to use our wealth to realize that, Lord, this substance that we have should be used to honor you because you are important in our lives, God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will also allow us to get rid of any form of greed or any form of, uh, Lord, just envy knowing full well that you will take care of our needs, God. And Lord, we repent as well if we have walked in a way that was not pleasing to you, God. I pray that you would make our hearts worshipful before you, that we will use whatever we have to worship and to honor you because you are worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our substance. You're worthy of our lives. You're worthy of our time and resource. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Make sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Feel free to share this message with your friends too. 
For more information about our church, visit our website at www.victorialamang.church.